NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! As an adult, don't we all miss spring break? Nothing like taking a week off from all your responsibilities. Well, here's the next best thing for adults, a spring break from house payments. SaveWithConrad.com can help you get rid of all your credit card debt, just like that. We're routinely helping our listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but check this out. No house payments for two months at SaveWithConrad.com. Hey guys. It's the hardcore legend Mick Foley here, and I need to call a quick timeout, a brief timeout, because I wanted to tell your listeners what I have been telling Foley is Pod listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. The wait is over, as an all-new Conversations with Conrad is finally here. He created the soundtrack to so many of our childhood memories, with iconic themes like The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Ultimate Warrior, and many more. The legendary Jim Johnston sits down with Conrad for a two-hour career retrospective, available now only on adfreeshows.com. Literally started, I was watching some tape of the guy, and I just started doing this to the kind of what I felt like was the tempo of him running. And then I recorded that. And then just over that, you're just doing. You know, it's so simple, but that's what felt like him. That's just a small taste, a sampling, if you will, of what we have waiting for you. With four levels to choose from. Four. See for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now, right now, at adfreeshows.com. Yeah. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. This is Kurt Angle, and welcome to the Kurt Angle Show. On the show today, we'll be watching my epic TNA title match against Samoa Joe from Lockdown. But first, let me introduce to you my co-host, Paul Bromwell. How you doing today, Paul? Hey, Kurt. I'm doing great. You're officially set up in your new office. You got the mic, the headphones. You got the, for those watching on YouTube, the, the, the stand-up behind you with the cowboy hat. You're all set up, man. Hey, and I did all this by myself. <laughs> Is that true? Is it damn true, Kurt? I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was putting plugs in in holes, and I I didn't know how to to put this shit together. I did it. Well, you figured it out, man, and uh, congratulations. You're in your new uh, studio office. They're sounding great. But real quick, before we jump into today's topic, 
we have a few things to catch up on, my friend, because you were busy. People saw you all over their TV last weekend. Not only did you have WrestleCon, but we, we saw you at Rey Mysterio and the Hall of Fame's, you know, his induction. He mentioned you by name. You greeted him as he came out. So we want to hear about that. We got to talk WrestleMania. Lots going on. So let's talk, start with WrestleCon and how you got to see the fans. How was that appearance? Oh, that appearance was awesome. It was, I was busier there than I think any event I've ever done. It was uh, incredible. I, I only signed for four hours, and the fans, they, you know, they were awesome. They, they lined up, and they waited and waited, and uh, I was really grateful that uh, I got to at least sign all the autographs for them before I left, but uh, it was an incredible turnout. I, I, you know what, though? It's in L.A., WrestleMania. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to go, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's the hub, right? Everybody's out there. Wrestling fans all over the world were there. So I'm sure it was a good a good deal for you there. But let's talk about uh, the big event. And I'm, I want to start with the Hall of Fame. First, Kurt, we saw you and Giovanna backstage. They interviewed you. Giovanna wasn't sure if she wanted to get on camera <laughs> or not, but they got her on. They got her. Be on TV. <laughs> she looked phenomenal, by the way. Uh, I'll tell her you said that. Yeah, she looked great. And you uh, you were on there with Maria Menounos and uh, was interviewing you guys, uh, Brian, uh, Byron Saxton. Uh, talk about some of the friends that you got to catch up with there. Oh, it was great. You know, I got to see a lot of people, um, especially a lot of the current wrestlers today. Uh, I did get this. I didn't get to see Undertaker, which is the person that I was most looking forward to seeing. Uh, but I, I ran a Triple H. I talked to him. Um, you know, th there were a lot of people there. Ray Mysterio was great to see him again. He actually mentioned me in his speech, which was kind of cool. Very grateful. Thank you, Ray. <laughs> but uh, it was a great time. Uh, WrestleMania this year was a blast. Yeah, and uh, I got we got to see on social media, you got a picture with Snoop Dogg, who, by the way, talk about improvisation when Shane McMahon tore his quad. Can oh. you believe he tore his quad? <laughs> Is that what happened? He tore yes. His yes. No, it was his quad. Another McMahon tears another quad, dude. This is what I got from Snoop. <laughs> what is that? What's the bling bling? I love it. Ah, <laughs> oh, so cool. So for those that are only listening, you got a big old necklace, big old chain with what is that letter T? Oh God, it has to be two pounds. <laughs> Unbelievable. Crazy. Yeah. So, so you got to see Ray. Obviously, first of all, Conan, a phenomenal induction speech on he Ray. He did. What, what an articulate guy. Yeah, he really. And you know what? It, it was really emotional, especially when Ray said um, that his wife gave up going to school and started working full time to, to provide for him so he could be a pro wrestler. I lost it. I, I got tears in my eyes when, she, when he said that. His wife was right in front of me. It was just a, it was a great emotional night. All right, so let's get into WrestleMania because, buddy, the swerve, at least for the majority of, all, of, of us fans, of all swerves, Cody Rhodes doesn't win the world title. Roman Reigns is still the champ. What did you think about all that? You know what? I, I'm not, I'm not going to beat up on Roman Reigns because he is the man. He deserves to be. But, you know, we're in a time now where if you're champion for three years – um, it's, you know, that's a little long. It's, it's just too long, uh, because we're not in territories anymore. When you were in territories, you weren't on TV every week. So fans had to come see you at the arenas and you'd only be in that city one day a week. So they only saw wrestling one day a week back then when they were champion for six, eight years. Now Roman Reigns is going on. He's, you know, it looks like he's going to have a hold the title for another 
few years. And the thing is, <laughs> he's on TV every week, sometimes twice a week. And then, yeah. you know, pay-per-view every month. It, it's just a lot. Um, you know, I, I really believe, I, I don't, I don't believe the ratings are going to go down, but I do believe some people are going to lose interest because uh, they're not making other wrestlers. You know, Roman has an opportunity to make a wrestler. He could have made Cody into a mega star, which Cody is already a star, yeah. but he would have been a mega star if he were one at WrestleMania. That's just my opinion. Yeah. And I think the point you were trying to make earlier is back in the territory days, they would get to see these guys once in a great while. And when they came to their town and it was a happening, right. When Ric Flair comes to town or when this guy, it, it, it was a big deal to go see them and they would travel the country and it wasn't so much overexposure on television right. as it is now on national Fox all the time. You see, like you said, you see Roman every pay-per-view, um, and to have a, it's going to be, he's going to start working on that a thousand day rain coming up here soon. I, I saw an article the other day. He, you know, he's within this many days of Pedro Morales. And, you know, once he gets to 1200 or something, he's going to break, you know, Bruno's initial rain. Right. And I'm like, my goodness, are they going to seriously continue to keep this up to break those records? And it feels like they are. I don't see you know who's going to beat him. Shit, might as well just do it now. Yeah, might as well go for it at this point. He's close enough. Might as well just do it. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. So, yeah, the wrestling world, Twitter, social media, the, the majority of fans were shocked. Then you had those that were like, guys, you know, I heard him in the press conference say, we're not, we're not uh, serving fast food here. Uh, we're, we're cooking fi filet mignon uh, in terms of storylines. They are and, definitely uh, cooking filet mignon. <laughs> but we're in a, we are in a different world when it comes to audience expectations. They're in a please us now. They're in the, uh, you know, the, he, and he always says the TikTok world. Well, sorry, that's where we are. And so you either choose to cater that audience or not and see who hangs in there. And uh, let's be honest, people will hang in. They're going to follow as much as they complain. Uh, so we'll see what happens but you know what it, they might even tune in more because they're dying to see roman reigns get beat um, that's true maybe maybe that is working i don't know and then the next night on raw brock lesnar destroyed cody rhodes so that's the the, the new feud is brock back to being that heel which he's so good at yeah, and uh good. and cody getting getting just annihilated so lots of of uh, storylines lots of uh focus then the big endeavor buyout of wwe i'm sure that was a buzz while you were there or if not it, it is now it's taken over headlines that monday morning um you know now endeavor owns wwe yeah, ufc bottom for 9.3 billion they're valued at 9.3 billion all together it's a 21 billion dollar entity that this group is now with UFC. And, uh, and what can you believe that kurt can you believe this <laughs> no no, it's crazy. You know, one group owns both companies now. It's ridiculous. In a world that you used to want to operate in, UFC, Dana White, and now they're all under the same umbrella. I'm sure this is something crazy. you never pictured. You know what? It's crazy because when you were when you were wrestling, you weren't allowed to dabble with UFC. If yeah. you were in UFC, you weren't allowed to dabble with WWE. You, if, if you did, they would turn you down because Dana White did not want anybody under contract in WWE that was in UFC. So they, they felt they were competing, even though, honestly, they're not competing. Yeah. I mean, one's fighting and one's sports entertainment. entertainment. But yeah. for some reason now, they're together, which is crazy. And I think that's going to be fun to sit back and see how do those relationships within this company evolve? Do they work together? Are there synergies? So, You know what? They can help each other out, though. They can promote mm -hmm. each other. It might be good.
Kurt, uh, exciting times in the world of wrestling. Uh, whether you know this most successful WrestleMania of all time, uh, you know, monetary wise, when you think about revenue, Triple H has has talked about it, put it out on social media. So, uh, however you want to slice it, how, if you're unhappy, happy. At the end of the day, they're making money hand over fist, and the most successful they've ever been. Yes, they are. And you're absolutely right. <laughs> so, uh, listen, it's a buzz. It's going. And we're here speaking of MMA, speaking of UFC, talking about a time period in your career where TNA 15 years ago decided to explore a little bit of MMA style match uh, of their own right. And it involved you and Samoa Joe. And we're talking TNA lockdown 2008. And uh, real quick, before we get into it, I want to remind everybody we're going to do a watch along of that match. But if you guys check out impactwrestling.com forward slash packages, that's the website, impactwrestling.com forward slash packages and sign up with code Kurt. You uh, will do us a big time favor and help out the Kurt Angle show that will allow you to have access to the impact library, all the Kurt Angle matches that he wrestled, including this match that we're going to watch together with Kurt today, uh, which my word, I'm going to I'll give a little spoiler here, four and a half star rating from uh, the torch. Uh, it's an incredible match, Kurt. It's unlike anything that uh, we had seen up to this point between you and Samoa Joe. Um, so again, check us out there. But let's get into it, dude. You ready to dig into this one? Yes, I'm excited, man. Oh, all right. Well, listen, uh, this match had been built up since you came into TNA. You and Joe, you knocked off Joe uh, and handed him his first loss. Remember the big time streak? We've talked about that. We've covered it in this show. He then beat you. And in the rubber match, Kurt, you came out on top. Uh, but here we go do you think uh are, are you ready now do you think it's time we've had three matches let's go at it again it's time for me and samoa joe to have another program because you're the tna world heavyweight champion at this point yeah uh you know what it was time for joe to get that push he was undefeated i broke his undefeated streak he did beat me back then i beat him again and uh this was time to get joe the the world title and um this is a great opportunity for him and a great moment and i was happy to be a part of it uh, we decided to have an MMA style match, which was uh, very different. But the reason why this came up is because MMA started getting really popular early 2000s, and by the time 2006, 2007 came around, it was it was a mainstream sport. And uh, I just felt that um, doing an MMA style match might be intriguing to the fans. Yeah, you did an interview on Between the Ropes, and we're gonna, I'm going to read a little bit of what you said on that interview. Whose idea was it, Kurt? Uh, to do this you know what joe and i came together and we decided because joe was a judo um you know black belt in judo i was an olympic gold medalist wrestler so we both grappled and joe and i decided you know it'd be kind of cool to have an mma style match and so we presented it to the creative and they said this is great we would love to do that because they want to start doing different things they don't want to be like uh you know same old stuff all, all the time they want to change things a little bit that's cool. So nobody that you can recall was against it. They were saying, Hey, let's try something different. We're in. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's uh -huh. one thing in TNA. If you want to do something, they would hear you out. So part of your interview, you said, we're going to have an MMA style at the pay-per-view. And this is the beginning of what TNA is going to start doing. Now, Kurt, you're not pretending the match will be a real fight or a shoot, uh, so to say, are you? You're just saying it's going to be MMA like, right? MMA style. Yeah. It's not going to be a real fight. <laughs> 
You know, if it was, I would win. But you know what, Joe would say the same. Samoa Joe would say the same thing. He would say he would win. I love you for that. But, um, yeah, it, it wasn't a real fight, and we weren't going to make it a real fight. No. So you'd go on to say in the interview, Kurt, Joe and I are actually putting a hell of a match together that is going to be very much MMA oriented. It's going to be inside a cage. I don't even think we're going to wear shoes. We're going to tape our ankles. We're going to be putting on the gloves. Dude, how excited are you though for something like this? This was cool. I always try. I always like trying new things and to be able to do this, especially with MMA as hot as it was and being able to do it with Joe and having such a great match with him. Uh, that was, that was one of my top 10 favorite matches of my career. And it was, it was very different, you know, very, very physical match. We really laid into each other. We tried to make it look as real as we possibly could. We didn't completely go away from the pro wrestling thing because we had pinfalls, but most of it was submissions. Well, buddy, listen, uh, there's a live impact, uh, that's going to be, they're going to have that builds to lockdown. And, uh, I know you got to be excited about that because in your mind, didn't TNA need to have more live shows if they were going to get better? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? TNA needed to have live shows. Um, things started getting stagnant, you know, recording the shows all the time, same place, uh, every week, uh, at universal studios, so uh, having a live show really ignited the company. Well, not only that, Kurt, don't you think it keeps you guys on your toes a little bit more as performers? Yeah, but, you know, when you compare live shows to tape shows, thing is, live shows, your adrenaline's pumping a lot more. But you're going to make sure you do the spots that are safe. If you tape a show, you're probably going to take more chances. And try things that are more dangerous. And if you mess up, you know, it's taped You just do it over again. So I, I think that they both have advantages, but I like going live because I don't like to have, I, I like putting pressure on myself, not to screw up and have the match as it is. Yeah, no, that's true. And as fans, dude, I gotta tell you, it just feels different live. There's just a different I, I energy. Know. I, the fans say that too. Uh, you know, when they know they're at a tape show and what happens in a tape show is after a match is over, they wait like 10 minutes to set up for the next match. And so they, the fans, you know, mentally, they know the show's taped. This is going to be an all day thing. But you know, when you go live, you know, it's live, you know, you, you can't do it. You can't wait. You can't pause. You have to keep Keep the show going for two hours consistently. Yeah. Uh, by the way, getting back to that uh, interview that you did, Kurt, you were a little critical of some of the creative going on in that interview about how the company still hasn't adjusted to the two-hour format and also that there's too many pre-tapes and that the company needs longer matches. In your mind at this point, Kurt, is that what was separating TNA from WWE at this time? Yeah. You know what? When I first came into TNA, it was all wrestling whole hour you know it was only a one hour show it was all wrestling very little promos very little pre-tapes but when we went to two hours they started uh, adding more pre-tapes and promos and tna was always known as the wrestling show you know they all these guys always performed uh it was 90 percent wrestling and now they're trying to be like the wwe by, by having these pre-tapes and promos and that's what separated us from the wwe so uh it, it was you know i i wasn't crazy about uh all the promos and pre-tapes because I did like it being a uh, 90% wrestling. I really did. Well, especially it's comical when you think the name TNA, it stands for total nonstop action. Yeah, right. <laughs>
you have to be in action the whole show yeah that ain't happening we got another you know another wwe style pre-tape we're gonna go to uh also during this interview kurt you called big show versus floyd mayweather uh by the way that was upcoming at wrestlemania a clown show okay kurt and uh and that your and joe's goal was to blow it out of the water entertainment wise obviously you know you're keeping up with the wwe at this time you guys are mentioning them did you in your mind think hey tna has the better product right now uh i wouldn't say it had the better product uh what tna had was a lot of great wrestlers they had a lot of great talent that um has never been tapped into you know they they weren't in the wwe they weren't in wcw uh, a lot of these guys were were TNA grown talent, and uh, they they were phenomenal, and and uh, it was really cool to be able to work with these guys. It really was. Well, not only that, as we sit here today, looking back at the roster, so many of the guys uh, they ended up in WWE. <laughs> I mean, hello. So yes, you were yeah. loaded with the talent. You had studs left and right. I mean, you're. Now, now was it WWE? No. Uh, I, you no. know, we we wanted to be. We tried to be. We even, you know, went to Monday nights and tried to compete with them. But uh, TNA was never going to be WWE. TNA was going to be the alternative show. And uh, and I was happy with that. But yeah. the company kept pushing and pushing, and they wanted to be uh, the number one show. And I was like, this is not going to happen. Just be happy with number two and just worry about your own ratings. Don't worry about comparing yourself to the WWE. Yeah. And, and, and my point was it wasn't because there was a lack of talent because that roster was always very oh, impressive. It was, you know, it's crazy because when I went down there, I didn't know 99% of the names. I never heard of them, seen them. And I'm watching the show and I'm like, holy crap, these guys should be signed with WWE. There were so many great talent. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we're going to put a bow on this interview that you did with, uh, with, uh, between the ropes. This is from the torch. Kurt said they've talked about cutting back on run-ins and gimmick matches and going to more clean finishes and fewer interruptions. What we want to do is make it very serious. We're starting with lockdown. Angle said, he said, Joe isn't coming to be on TV the next three weeks to get across that. He's training for the match. He said, MMA is getting really popular and they want TNA ratings to keep going up. He said he has talked to spike about moving impact to Monday nights to go head to head with raw. Kurt, were you at all involved with conversations with spike at this point? Did they ask you your opinion on stuff like this? Well, there, there was a guy that always showed up at our TVs. His name was Scott Fishman. He worked for spike. He also showed up at all the UFC events. So he was in charge of TNA and UFC. And I would talk to Scott about different things. And, you know, he, he said that uh, he agreed with me, actually. Do you think it was the right move to try to move Impact to Monday to go head to head? No. <laughs> no, it was not the right move. Uh, it backfired on us. Um, you know, I think the first week we had a pretty good rating. But, it, you know, it, it started going down week after week, and then we pulled out. Um, I, I just, like I said before, I was trying to tell the boss, Dixie Carter, don't worry about competing with these guys. Uh, we're never going to beat them. Just be happy with being number two, and, and we'll, we'll be okay. You have to go in with that, and we're seeing it again in today's environment, being the alternative, you know? And, and, and there, it, they're just too big. WWE 
is too big. The brand well known, company, yeah. global, uh, and and they are firmly entrenched. And uh, so, they're worth sense. nine point four billion. Hello, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, there you go. So, Kurt, around this time too was Ric Flair's Hall of Fame ceremony. Uh, were you invited to that? Do you remember? No, I was not on good terms with WWE, so <laughs> I wasn't invited to his Hall of Fame, unfortunately. Well, good news is you're back on the stage at Hall of Fame now. <laughs> yeah, I got to see Ray inducted and all the other ones in WWE last week. That was great. Yeah, Stacey Keebler and, and the rest of the group. Uh, so there you go. All right, well, right away on Impact, there's a different presentation to you and Joe at this point, Kurt. There's some MMA reporters speaking on your matches if it's a legit MMA fight. Did you and Joe ever discuss doing it real or was this just the whole thing? This was always the plan. You know what? I, I think Joe wouldn't have minded if we did it for real. Uh, Joe's that kind of person. He's fierce and he's competitive, but no, no, we never, we never considered doing it live or, or for real. We knew it was just going to be an MMA style pro wrestling match. That was it. Well, guys, listen, we're going to launch the match now. And, uh, this was just found off of YouTube, YouTube clips. I don't have a, you know, a timestamp and all that, but if you watch it on our YouTube channel, the beautiful thing is we are partnered with impact now. And so everything is completely unfiltered in terms of, uh, you can see it clearly and, uh, we're going to watch it together and, and check it out. Uh, this is uh, about 30 minutes long, Kurt. Um, and we're not going to sit and just watch it together. We're going to talk. We're going to tell the story, the build, and uh, and I'm going to have some questions for you as we go through this. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and launch it now. Uh, we'll hear the music for a little bit, and then I'll, I'll pause it, and we'll jump in, all right? Sounds good. All right, here we go. So because this is just uh, music playing in the background, they're doing a full-scale big intro for Samoa Joe. Yes, they are. This is the TNA WrestleMania entrance. <laughs> it is. They got guys coming out twirling fire around. And uh, this is this is the WrestleMania-style entrance here for, for, for Joe. So once we get through Joe, maybe we'll see what they do for you if they shoot you up from the floor or, you know, here comes Joe. Dude, how much of a badass was he? At I mean, he still is, but I mean. You know what? I remember the first night I saw him. We were at a bar when I signed with TNA. And he was in a corner by himself, and he was drinking a scotch. And I looked at his mug, his face, and I was just like, nobody's going to fuck with this guy. <laughs> Samoa Joe's a badass for real, man. He's a tough son of a bitch. And he's still getting it done. All these years later at just, and he's still jumping outside of the ring, you know, plancha, all these other moves. He's just so athletic for what he can do with his size and speed and quickness power. All he is. He's so versatile for his size. He's a 300 pound guy, he's six foot one. So he's thick, you know, he's thick around the waist. We know that, but, um, he moves like a cat. The guy's incredible. Here we go. They're showing people around ringside. I'll unmute it when they uh, when they bring you down because I want to see what this see and hear what this looks like. And uh, so let's check this out. And here he comes, Frank Craig. You've gone on record. You made the prediction. You said Kurt Angle will not only retain that title, but he will take Samoa Joe's career and extinguish it tonight. And it's got to feel kind of bad for Kurt because Kurt really doesn't want to have to end a guy's career like that. But Joe's the one that said he said if I lose, I'm going home and I'm going to stay home. 
Kirsch is doing his job. He wants to keep that belt. This is something he's already strived after, making sure he keeps his belts and keeps his medals. It's another piece he's not going to let go. I think that Kurt Angle would look at it as a major notch in his belt if he's able to end the career of Samoa Joe. He stands six foot one and weighs in at 235 pounds. Perhaps the greatest wrestler in the world today. Kurt Angle has taken TNA by storm since arriving in 2006. Kurt Angle became the first ever TNA World Heavyweight Champion at TNA Slammiversary in 2007. The only gold medalist in professional wrestling history. Angle is also a 12-time world champion and three-time NCAA All-American. Kurt Angle has held the TNA World Heavyweight Championship for nearly a year, and this is his fifth meeting against Samoa Joe. I tell you what, man, they knew how to present you in these packages. <laughs> yeah, they didn't spare any expense. They, they, always, they always promoted me very well. Uh, I commend them on that. Did a real nice job there, and uh, you have that beautiful belt. The MMA-style shorts, not the typical slinglet that we're used to seeing. And uh, and here you come. You're walking down. But let's get into a little bit of the backstory. We're going to talk through the matches. You guys watch it and kind of listen to us as we go through it. For those that are that are watching here on YouTube. But there you are. No shoes. You got the ankles all <laughs> taped up. How did, how, for, let me just ask you off the bat. How was it doing all this barefoot? It was weird. It really was weird. Um it's easy to hurt your feet, your toes. Uh, it felt like it didn't feel like a wrestling ring because a ring kind of gives when, uh, you know, it bounces a little bit. Uh, you have that cushion. But when your feet, with your feet, you feel the wood. It's just wood. It's incredible. Mm. It, it's a, a different feeling. It's really hard on your feet. Well, let's get into it a little bit. We have some uh, updates kind of building the storyline with you and Samoa Joe. From the torch, Angle uh, puts on an MMA display in the six-sided TNA ring with various sparring partners as a build uh, to this match that we're watching now. He didn't wear boots, but instead had tape feet and hands and had his slinglet drop down to his waist at the start. Ephraim Sims was his first sparring opponent. He forced a tap out with an arm triangle side choke less than a minute in. Next in was John Davis. Today noted that MMA camps uh, that each fighter was training at, Angle forced a tap out with a heel hook. Uh, Frank Sizzo was in next. Angle made Sizzo tap out again with a guillotine. So they're just making, they're just, you know, again, making you look like a beast here. Corey Chavis was in last. Angle headbutts him on the opening handshake and then pounded away at his head with one stiff blow after another, with the ref stopping in to stop the fight. They showed Chavis bleeding on the mat, still knocked out. Kurt, talk about doing all those matches. That had to be a lot of fun. Was this part of your, damn, I wish I'd gone to MMA? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was uh, for just uh, you know ten minutes. I was in my own MMA world. You know, I, right. I felt like I was really doing it. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I was really looking forward to this match just because of the you know the display I did with those three guys. It was awesome. Uh, the torch goes on. It says during the sparring routine, Mike Tenay plugged that Frank Trigg would be on Impact next week to talk about Joe's training. Trigg is a former MMA fighter who was moved into the broadcasting side of the business. So, Kurt, do you remember how Frank Trigg uh, affiliation came to be? Was it because of the Spike relationship? Um, yes, yes. Uh, you know, Frank. Uh, I met Frank at a UFC event, and um, 
you know, he told me he was a big wrestling fan. And he also told me, hey, people are, are always mistaking me for you because they say I look like you. I said, Frank, you don't look like me. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. You don't look nearly I'm, as good as I You're not nearly as pretty. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. So he told me, you know, he's a big wrestling fan. Uh, you know, he's a fan of mine. And uh, that's how it got started. And then the ball got rolling. I talked to Scott Fishman. We decided we're going to bring Frank Trigg over to do this match where they, uh, Frank Trigg would commentate for this. So you have a live impact special, which we talked about impact goes live. And, uh, this is also from the torch, a video package airs on Samoa Joe training for the angle match. He said, Kurt's trainers won't buy him heart or desire. Okay. It's not going to do that for you, Kurt. Uh, Marcus Davis, an MMA fighter compared watching Joe fight to watching Mike Tyson. Uh, he said he's fast and explosive and pulls out moves you wouldn't expect to see from him. Joe said it's never been Kurt versus Joe. It's been him against Kurt with backup like his wife or his cohorts. He said in the cage, nobody else is going to be in the ring. Davis said Joe is just an absolute animal who's going to go in for the kill. He said it will fit really well with the six sides of steel and he won't get out alive. Great delivery and tone from Joe and the entire video package. This is all from the torch. But uh, you got to be impressed with how Joe and how they're handling this whole side of it uh, against you, right? Yeah, Joe was great. Uh, you know, he really did train for this, uh, and he's so articulate with his words. You know, when he was doing promos and pre-tapes, he he is one of the best um, verbal guys in the business. Oh, yeah. He really is. He's so intense, and he he looks real, and everything he says, you can feel it. And I, I got to say, this is a really different side of Joe that I think, and you would, and I'm curious your opinion. It really helped take him to the next level. Don't you think? Oh, it did. It did. It rose him three notches up. I mean, this, this whole match and the way he went about it, the training and, and the, the interviews he did, this took him to a different level. You're right. Well, Mike Tanay interviews Joe live via satellite from Big Bear, California, Kurt. And he asked how his training was going. Joe said it's probably been the most extreme thing he's ever been through. He said every day he gets closer to taking him out, and he promised a war on April 13th. Dude, 15 years ago, the war. Uh, Tanay pointed out Angle has won three of their four previous matches. Way to rub it in, Mike Tanay. Uh, and then he said, uh, Angle will have to win by the sweat of his brow and what he does in the ring, not by being a snake behind the scenes. Tanay asked him about vowing to leave TNA if he loses. Joe said since he made that proclamation, he's regretted it because this is what he loves. He said, though, that if he can't beat the man and the best, it's not worth doing. He said he's going to take it by any means necessary, and at lockdown, he will win the world title. He got real intense at the end after being relatively low-key up until then. Man, just great stuff here, Kurt. Uh, were you involved at all in producing any of these? Uh, these or just was this? No, the, no. Listen, team? Joe did this all on his own. Wow. That, that's why this guy's so special. What he can do with a microphone, and not only that, what he could do in the ring. I mean, this guy is. You know, he has to be one of the top ten best overall workers in the history of the business. He really is. His athleticism is off the charts. Promo skills are off the charts too. He's incredible. I think when you look at, and you know, we get into a habit here on the show of top five, top 10, and, and there's different names <laughs> depending on the week. But I think when you look at how he's built and what he can do and, and the variety of what he can do, it's hard to argue. Uh, and I'm not going to say top, whatever, but man, he's great. 
he is great at what he does. He absolutely is. And you know what? The cool thing about Joe is he's willing to try new stuff. I mean, he, he's always changed his repertoire. He, he never uses the same thing over and over again. He has so much, you know, so many different moves, so many different styles he can work. He, he's just really versatile. And when we go back and watch this stuff together, Kurt, it just blows my mind how the WWE didn't try to tap into him earlier in his career. You know what? I they 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 really they did pass on Joe. I mean, Joe they missed. Had the opportunity. Yeah. He could have been one of the best in the WWE. He should have been a consistent champion. Uh, this guy can carry a title. He can carry himself. He can actually carry a company. And I think Samoa Joe didn't get to the level he he was uh, expected to in WWE. You know who I think liked him? Triple H. I think Triple H was a big fan of Samoa Joe. When he was running NXT, Joe was the man in NXT. And uh, you don't have you don't need to say anything. I'll say it. But I think Triple H really loved him. And when someone else is running things, maybe not so much. But again, that's Paul Bromwell, not Kurt Angle. We move on. Frank Trigg joins Mike Tanay and Don West at ringside on commentary for a live sparring session that you had with AJ and Tomko, Kurt. So we're going to go through this from the torch. Tomko talked about emulating himself after you, Kurt. And uh, he said he didn't win an Olympic gold medal and he didn't up, end up as good as you, but he had the same body type and tried to follow your lead. The sparring began with Angle versus Tomko. Angle connected with a punch to the face that sent Tomko backwards. Tomko then shot in. Angle reversed him into an arm triangle. Trigg said Angle is the type to learn something in practice and try it the next day in an actual match. Tomko may have blew hard, uh, blew up the hard way from Angle's first punch unless they went to the trouble to blade to sell that punch's impact. Angle held him down for the rest of the minute. Styles then entered the ring next with the Rick Steiner wrestling headgear and red singlet. Styles circled away from Angle to avoid being punched. Angle got frustrated. Styles mostly avoided Angle for the full minute, avoiding a takedown and ducking a punch. Tomko re-entered the ring for a second minute. They showed the gash above his right eye. Tomko shoots in. Angle clutched his neck, then released. Trigg said if Angle promises not to hurt them, that doesn't mean he won't bang them up. Tomko applied another overhead guillotine choke. They were in the ropes, so the ref forced a break. Tomko all, all, almost mounted Angle. And this just continues on. Trid, uh, the Bird Wrestling Torch said Trigg was really good on commentary, which is no surprise. He is a personality tailor-made for pro wrestling. So again, what did you think about this with Tomko and, and Styles here? You having you having fun mixing it up with these guys? Yeah, they were my boys, man. They were part of my gang at the time. And uh yeah, you know what? AJ and Tomko did a phenomenal job, especially AJ. I you know what? I will tell you this. AJ could do something like this as well. He was a state champion wrestler and uh he knows how to grapple. Uh if, if I ever had to do another match, I would definitely do one with AJ. I got to ask, how do you feel the fans are reacting to this so far at this point? Or do you feel like they're pretty receptive and into it? Yeah. You know what? They were watching. They weren't cheering a lot at this particular time, but they were watching. Uh, we had their attention. Uh, we knew that's how it was going to be. So we weren't expecting anything else different than that. As long as they're interested in the match and they were focused on it, we were cool. They get, did get a little rowdy at times, especially in some false finishes and some submissions. But for the most part, they watched. It was almost like a Japanese crowd, where the Japanese crowd is like so into the match, they're mesmerized, and they, they clap you know, a little bit, but they don't make a lot of noise. 
Well, we continue on with the storyline uh, from the torch. After a Samoa Joe training video aired, Kurt Angle then stood mid-ring and declared that everyone knows Samoans are lying sons of bitches. <laughs> he said next week he wants Joe to sign a legal document that if he doesn't win, he'll walk away from the ring forever. Then we hear Scott Steiner sirens hit. He walks out with Rockacon. He told Angle that he's there to set him straight. He told him that after his match at lockdown, he's cashing in his world title shot. He said he won't cash in that night because that wouldn't be fair. So he's giving the winner one month to prepare and then he'll have to face him at sacrifice. Angle offered a handshake. Steiner told him he wouldn't shake his hand. He predicted a Joe victory because of who he's been training with. So here we go. Now Scott Steiner enters this uh, angle, Kurt. Uh, was this the right time and place for this to already be introducing him? I mean, we haven't even gotten to you and Samoa Joe's fight yet. You know what? I think they were trying to set up for after me and Joe, and they wanted to set it up earlier. But um, it wasn't bad because when you think of Scott Steiner, you're talking about an all-American wrestler in, high, in college. And Scott's a badass. Everybody knows he can fight. So th this was actually a great timing for Scott to come in and uh, make his voice known and that he's going to go after the world title to the winner against the winner of either Samoa Joe or me. I thought it was good timing. The, uh, there's a stipulation that then ends up being added to this match that we're watching right now, Kurt, between you two. And it is that Samoa Joe not only will walk away from TNA, but pro wrestling altogether if he cannot defeat you at lockdown. Is this too much in your opinion? Because it seems like a theme with TNA uh, that they just continue to add on stipulations. I mean, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I will say this. Um, when you say that, only if you're going to retire. You should say this because whether you win or lose, you're going to retire. But when you're not going to retire and you guarantee a win, or either that or they're going to quit, the fans know there's no way in hell he's going to just quit. You know, so right um, when you say that, you're basically saying I'm going to win. You know, you're telling the fans I'm a for sure winner. I'm not crazy about that either. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't like it. I don't think it's needed. I think the the fact that there are you're already doing a completely different style is enough excitement for the world title. You and Joe, it's MMA. It's taped ankles. You're already, you know, have this whole build. You got Frank Trigg involved. MMA stuff. Why do we need to throw in another layer? No, you're absolutely right. Definitely, Paul. I need a T-shirt that says "You're absolutely right," and it's going to be <laughs> Paul Bromwell. That's Angle, because so. you are, man. <laughs> so we continue on. Borash approaches Kurt Angle backstage and told him that Joe was willing to sign his vow to quit. Angle said, "Saying it is one thing, but doing it's another." He said he's already beat Joe three out of four times. He said that if Joe beats him, it's going to be a fluke. Angle said Joe won't agree to quit when he's only has 25% chance of winning. Oh, look here. Kurt's doing Steiner math. I like it. <laughs> Angle asked Borash what was weighing in on his, what was weighing on his mind. Borash asked if he's seen the videos that came in from California. He's a different guy, Kurt. He's like a man possessed. Borash said, Angle said in three or four weeks, he can't master what he spent his whole life learning. He said he isn't training with the best fighters because he's the best fighter. He said he'll make Joe tap out for the last time at lockdown. I like this interview, Kurt. This is a good one out of you. Um, were you, how significantly or how much were your hands on the creative of all this? A lot, a okay. lot. I mean, uh, you know, I was working with the writers very closely and we were coming up with uh, concepts and ideas together. And same with Samoa Joe. He was really articulate, too. He was bringing some stuff to the table. So this was all of us working together as one. 
Well, Angle calls Joe out to sign a contract vowing to quit pro wrestling. If he loses, Samoa Joe signs it, and we're officially on. And uh, I got to ask Kurt, how much are you looking forward to this match? Oh, man, this was the, this was the one match that I could, could get. I could be somebody else Yes, you know, for the first time. Being an MMA fighter, you know, a champion. Um, this, this was like, this has always been a dream of mine to be in MMA and to be in UFC or Bellator. Um, so, uh, unfortunately I couldn't do it for health reasons, but, uh, to be able to, you know, uh, you know, actually do a reenactment or an yeah, enactment, a style, know, be able to do that style. It was a lot of fun for me. Here we go directly from the torch for 20 minutes on Sunday night, Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle put on a hybrid of a match that incorporated about 70% MMA style techniques and 30% of the familiar pro wrestling high spots. It was a fascinating experience as a viewer to watch as two experienced craftsmen in TNA, you're a craftsman, Kurt <laughs> rose to the challenge to create a new type of worked pro wrestling match. It worked. It was a very good, perhaps a great TNA pay-per-view main event. The submission style holds were 90% more realistic than a typical pro wrestling match. With a few embellishments for the sake of telling their story dramatically, it was just so good. So is this what you, you know, forget that. What was it like putting this match together? Can you walk me, walk us, the audience through what it was like? Yeah, you know, it was, it was complicated. I mean, you have to remember when you start out, you have to have your hands up. You have to, you know, be trying to strike each other. And, you know, you don't start a match like that. You usually start a match with a tie-up and you wrestle. Now we're fighting. And, you know, a knockout is going to happen. It could happen. So you're starting striking, punching, and then you break it down to some wrestling for a little bit. Then you get into submission holds. And then we added false finishes because it was a pro wrestling match still. But um, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of memorization. We didn't call a lot of this in the ring. Okay. Called, most of it we had to uh, memorize because we had to know exactly what we were doing. Was there anybody else besides you and Joe that were involved in putting this together? This this. No, just Joe and I. It was really? I putting this together, yeah. So not even any kind of influence that had an MMA background? It was just the two of you that were very familiar with it? Not really. I think we asked Frank Trigg about a couple of submissions. Okay. But other than that, uh, it was us. Nice. So uh, the torch goes on to say there were still high spots, but they were fewer than usual. When they did happen, they meant more. And the ones Angle and Joe chose were selected for realism in addition to the excitement factor. Usually high spots are chosen by wrestlers because they're dazzling to watch without much regard for any sense of realism. Ha, buddy, that, that's called wrestling in today's world. <laughs> high spots galore. But in this match, almost everything just felt more authentic and more realistic. Do you think uh, this sounds more like an assessment of pro wrestling now? I, I mean, I even said it as I was reading through that. Uh, as far as like, you know, high spots are chosen by wrestlers because they're dazzling to watch and they don't really have, you know, much impact outside of that. Do you feel like that's what we see a lot in today's wrestling, Kurt? Yeah, wrestling today has become more acrobatic. It's yeah. about doing high spots, diving, flips. Uh, you know, it, it's. It's a little different, and eventually wrestling will get back to you know being more. I think this style right here is the best style. You, for instance, Pancrase, yeah, uh, does it over Japan, uh, work shoots. I think this is the best style. And I think eventually down the line, 
it's going to be like this. It really is because you got MMA. It's so popular. Pro wrestling's popular too. When you intermingle both of them, it becomes really special. And that's where I, you know, if they could figure out a way to balance it, right? Yeah. So it's not so high spot heavy where you could get more of this feel along with some here and there. That's where you win, right? Definitely. I think the, you know, limiting your high spots and making it pure, more wrestling, more MMA oriented, it's a lot better. Uh, the torch goes on to say their match drew from the popular sport of MMA with UFC being the top, uh, name brand most are familiar with. <laughs> this is so fun to read now that we know they're all one company, uh, oh. WWE and UFC. Almost any sports fan and any TNA fan has been exposed to one extent or another on cable or at a sports bar. Some variation of UFC on spike pride on FSN, uh, WC on versus or the IFL on various channels. It's out there and it has redefined what a realistic fight between skilled athletes look like. WWE and TNA wrestlers have been slow to adapt. The top heel in the WWE right now, Randy Orton, still applies a lying down headlock in almost every match for about four, about four minutes into the match. It's a move that's not used in UFC because it's technically ineffective and that a skilled MMA fighter knows how to escape from it. When Orton applies it in a WWE match, he's basically putting his opponent in a position to look completely incompetent compared to even the most entry-level MMA fighters. What, what do you say to that, Kurt? Do you think MMA's changed the business as far as how what wrestlers and how they work? Yeah, yeah, because you have to be more realistic, you know, uh, and the submissions have to look real, and you know it, that's that's tough. I mean, we, it's it's there's a thin line between it. You know, I understand. You know, pro wrestling wants to stay pro wrestling, and MMA is MMA. But you know, when you intermingle it and uh, you know bring it together, it's going to be a lot better of a product. I'm, I'm with you. Um, I think that the, again, it provides the realism side of it. Like, oh, there's, you know, the people that come in to want to watch wrestling, they like to look at the moves and be like, oh, I could get out of that. Or that doesn't look, right. how do you just, well, I'll that? give you an example. Go ahead. Why pro wrestling sometimes doesn't make sense. Let's just say, uh, the, the guy has a hold on you. You fight back and you start punching him in the face and you're punching him in the face and you're both up and facing each other. And then you stop punching them and you run the other way to hit the ropes to get a momentum. You don't do that. You're punching the guy. You're beating the shit out of the guy. Continue to beat the shit out of yeah, him. Yeah, you don't run that's away. Makes sense. You don't run away from him. Yeah. And that's what happens in pro wrestling. And that's why a lot of times fans don't, they know it's not real because they take the realism away by doing things like that. Kurt, I got to ask when you and, and, uh, Samoa Joe, not only you plan, but you execute this match and it's over. Do you guys think, or talk a little about, Hey, we could have, we could have changed the business tonight in a small, in a small way or a big way. Did you guys think? Yeah. Like yeah. We, you know what? We thought we were going to, we thought this match was so good that things were going to change, but they didn't. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but you know, I, I know pro wrestling has their own way, their own stigma, and, uh, they probably don't want to. Yeah, I really believe the fans would like to see it uh, different. I believe the fans would love to see work shoots uh, like they do in Pancreas, like this, for instance. Yes. Yeah. I'm with you. I think anything that makes us believe and makes us feel More believe. Like, that's right. Believability is huge. Uh, I'll go on here right now because they continue to say the challenge for TNA right now uh, is uh, just 
they said that you're so gung-ho about MMA. He's borderline obsessed with becoming a generation uh, too late to be involved at a top level in a sport that it would probably have been his calling if he had, if it had been around 10 years earlier. MMA was a struggling sport with no big money contracts and a shaky future when Angle signed with the WWF. Now, Kurt believes he is uniquely qualified to use his skill set to bring MMA-style realism to TNA rings. Samoa Joe is an ideal opponent because he too has a realistic style and fans perceive him as a legitimately tough guy not just a showman were you able to pull this off with anyone else do you think besides Samoa Joe I mean I I feel like yeah maybe AJ Styles Um, I think AJ would have brought a little more pro wrestling to it his high flying skills so I think nobody was better for this than Samoa Joe Samoa Joe is the best for this well, Kurt, the match just ended. Samoa Joe gets the big win. Let's listen in. Samoa Joe, a chance of this. You guys heard me earlier. I didn't think Samoa Joe really had any shot of beating Kurt Angle. Boy, did he prove me wrong. He deserves this belt. He got some, he almost submitted for a fight of a time. He was outclassed in takedowns. He stayed with his tactics. He stayed with his game plan, and he pulled it together. What and the belt presentation, belt presentation made by Joe's trainer, UFC fighter Marcus Davis. What a proud moment for the Samoan submission machine to hit that muscle buster and gain the three count and not only become TNA champion, but to keep his professional wrestling career alive. And there you see the post-match embrace with Marcus Davis. So there it is, a muscle buster, and he gets the big win. Joe celebrates with the belt as the music's playing. We see it here. Look at that big kick to the face, man. Yeah. Joe, Joe, you know what? That didn't even hurt. Joe, Joe's so incredible. His, his, uh, he just has um, a, a way to you know look real without it really hitting you. His kicks and punches are phenomenal. He uh, takes your head off, which is it's just incredible <laughs> to hear you say that as we watch these shots. I mean, shot after shot, kick after kick, Kurt, between him giving them and you selling, it's just so realistic. Big angle slam. They're doing the highlight package now of the match. You have him in the ankle lock here. He hugs his trainer at the end, trainer Davis, and he wins the belt. I'm not going to lie to you. The one thing we screwed up on, when he beat me and he was celebrating, they should have had trainers come in and get me. Oh, yeah. He's laying there like dead. You know, uh, while Samoa Joe celebrated next to me, if we were thinking the right way, we would have had trainers come in and pull me up and, you know, take me to the back. But here I am. There you're on all fours. Sorry, I did it. I'm by myself. <laughs> yep. Kurt, uh, how happy or excited were you with, uh, about this match after it ended? Oh, I couldn't be happier. I lo- I thought this match, this was one of my favorite matches, uh, because it was with Samoa Joe and and being able to do a realistic MMA style match, that is what you know. That that's where I came from. That's that's what I'm all about. I'm a wrestler. I'm an Olympic wrestler. I'm a grappler. That's what you know. That that's where I could bring out my amateur wrestling skills and and also fighting skills. But um, that's more my cup of tea than pro wrestling. 
Yeah, as I said earlier, four and a half star, really good main event rating from Pro Wrestling Torch. This could have been a bust or a joke, but it turned out to be so cool. It really would have been difficult, if not impossible, to pull off a match like this uh, in 2008 with that many submission holds and so few flashy high spots without UFC setting the example. This is a style of a match that could extend Angle's career for years if he could stick with it in the future. What do you think? Do you think you could keep this going? Uh, do you think if you if you wrestled this style, it could have kept and helped your body as far as continuing on? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot less bumps in here. You know, you're you're, you're fighting and you're on your feet. You're doing striking and kicking, uh, and we were holding back. We weren't we we weren't trying to stiff each other. We we're trying to stay snug. But you know, for the most part, it it, it does save your body because you're bumping less. One question more, and then we'll go to the fan questions. Did you think after this match that it was going to set a new precedent and happen a lot more often, those style matches for TNA? I was hoping it would, but you know what? Everybody forgot about it the next week, and it was never brought up again. Just like a lot of other good ideas of professional wrestling. It's the way it is, man. A four and a half star <laughs> match forgotten about. <laughs> I'm so sad. Let's go to the questions. Patrick Ruth, do you consider this your favorite loss? <laughs> oh yeah yeah this loss to Samoa Joe doing an MMA style match this was definitely my favorite loss um I would say either this or uh uh Wrestlemania against Brock Lesnar okay. you know and there we go there's a relationship there because Brock was also a UFC champion <laughs> there you go uh Brad Stanton did Dixie like the Samoa Joe character presentation which was she a fan yeah yeah she did she did like it she really enjoyed it yeah you mean his uh at the beginning yeah just how he was his character his presentation yeah yeah you know Samoa Joe um you know I I get you know he he liked to wear the two colors you know green and white and the knee the towel green. around his neck yeah, yeah I love I love the towel around his neck. yeah but his shorts could have been a little cooler but you know they still they look good I, yeah, yeah I, I liked I liked the towel around his neck that really that made him Samoa Joe yeah. Michael McClanahan, what are Kurt's thoughts on the role of the steel cage in wrestling? And did Kurt prefer the six sides of steel or the traditional four-sided steel cage? To be honest, it, it's not much of a difference. They're just more sides. Uh, if anything, the TNA cage is smaller because of the six sides uh, ring. Uh, the four sides is a little bit bigger. There you go. Uh, Brian Haremza, TNA always considered bound for glory their WrestleMania. Are you surprised they didn't use that event to crown Samoa Joe? Or did it really matter when Joe won the championship? No, honestly, I would have done it bound for glory. But we were in a different time, different place. Um, I don't think we wanted to wait until the following year. So we wanted to get it done. And we lockdown's the second biggest pay-per-view of the year. So that's kind of like TNA's SummerSlam. Yeah, no, yeah. Liam Evans is up next. We have two more questions. Kurt, thanks for answering my questions on the past few shows. I love the interaction. I'm just wondering what it was like to wrestle barefoot for the match against Joe, which we talked about a little bit on here. But again, people are wondering being barefoot. <laughs> well, Samoa Joe, that bastard, he was supposed to go barefoot too. He comes out with wrestling shoes on. He even had his pads on his shins and knees. I was like, holy shit, man, what are you doing? Uh, but it was, it was, uh, it was a lot harder. It really was, you know, having uh, shoes on and having the padding really helps. Gives you a little bit more of a spring when you're barefoot. You don't have much of a spring. You're, 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 you're walking on bones. So I, I don't know how guys do no. the barefoot thing. Riddle and all these guys. No way. I know. I know. 
Final question from a wrestling historian. Was this the right time to have Samoa Joe win the title or would you have dropped it to him sooner? Thanks in advance. You know what? That's a good question. Um, you know, Samoa Joe, I think we wrestled four times. I beat him three up until this. Um, I, I would have said, yeah, earlier, uh, bound for glory the year before, I think that would have been the right time to do it, but I think that's actually when I won the title. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, you know what? It, it was the right time, regardless of how long it took Joe to win it. We did it right. We had an MMA style match and it was Joe's turn to be champion and he had a great run here. There you go. Well, guys, listen, we had a lot of fun watching that match together. You uh, can help us out by going to impactwrestling.com forward slash packages and sign up with code Kurt. And then a few other reminders for you, ad free shows. They're doing that free trial thing and you can continue to sign up there. Adfreeshows.com starting at just $9 a month. So many uh, podcasts there early ad free. You can enjoy them on video, uh, sign up for a free trial and get a taste of what it's all about over on ad free shows. Uh, so check it out now. Also live experiences. Kurt and I later this month are going to do ask Kurt anything. We're going to do it live um, and with a studio audience uh, watching us. And so we're going to have a lot of fun with that and you get to do that all throughout the month with other shows as well so make sure you check that out the other thing i want to touch on is advertising with angle that's right if your business targets 25 to 54 year old men there's no better place to advertise than right here with us on the kurt angle show you've heard us do ads for some of the same companies for years and it's because it works we have a super targeted audience that uh, that's there's very little waste. So go to advertisewithangle.com right now and find out how you can advertise right here and hear Kurt Angle talk about your product. I mean, an Olympic hero putting your product over. It doesn't get any better than that. Guys, listen, you can check out our show and us individually on the socials. Follow at The Angle Pod. Uh, you can follow The Angle Pod on YouTube. Again, lots of great clips on the YouTube channel. We need you to like, subscribe, and turn on those notifications. And uh, we really appreciate everything that you're doing for us there. Kurt, before we get out of here this week, talk to us. Where are you staging those physically fit chicken snacks? They're still behind <laughs> you in your new office? They're right behind me, man. Chicken snacks and snack smart crispy protein bites. One's chicken protein, one's organic plant protein. There are 11 different flavors. They're all incredible. You'll love them. We have uh, spicy and sweet. Uh, they're just amazing. Go to physicallyfit.com, order yours. Use promo code Angle, AnglePod. You get 20% off. Or you can go online or on the website and sign up uh, to be a member for life and get 20% off for life. There you These go. things are incredible. You'll absolutely love them. Hey, listen, and this is the perfect time. We're almost, we're in spring, headed to summer. It's time to take care and, and get that, that summer bod ready for the beach. You can you look like Kurt Angle with his shirt that. off, you know, and it's right after Easter. You had too much ham, too, no, too much coconut cream cake, too many mashed potatoes, whatever, you, you know, you like to eat. Listen, now the next day we need you to go in and sign up for those chicken snacks and go ahead and, and uh, just like I need to do and start shedding a few of those pounds. KurtAnglebrand.com. That's where you can get those uh, cowboy hats, like the one I've been staring at the whole show, Kurt, right? Yes, yes. KurtAnglebrand.com. We got videos, uh, cameo video messages, uh, T-shirts. Uh, we have cowboy hats. Birthday cards. Buttons. Yeah, we got we got photographs, everything. Uh, you go on the website and uh, you know sign up, whatever order, whatever you want. 
I can personalize for you and I'll send it right back to you. Man, what's better than that, man? I'm telling you. So check it out, KurtAnglebrand.com. Check us out at boxofgimmicks.com as well to get all the Kurt Angle Show merchandise. They have sweatshirts like the one I'm wearing, T-shirts. We're getting into T-shirt season, and we will love and appreciate you for it. Guys, this has been a fun one. We're talking all things Rob Van Dam next week. That's going to be a lot of fun, Kurt. Thank you for doing the show with me this week, buddy. Thanks. Thank you too, Paul. Take care. All right. On behalf of your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, this is Paul Bromwell, and we'll see you right back here next week for another episode of The Kurt Angle Show. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.